welcome to episode number 100 of the uh, Prepper Podcast. We are recording January 10th, 2020. My name is Eric, the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario, a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia, also known as Not Eric from some previous episodes. Um, Canadian Forces Ar- Canadian Armed Forces veteran, sorry, volunteer firefighter and current platoon captain. Um, also volunteer search and rescue technician and prepper. Uh, my name is Tyler. I live in northwest Wisconsin. Besides preparedness, I'm also into homesteading, metalworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. As always, my name is Andrew. I'm a recovering libertarian and firearms instructor at Ragnarok Tactical. And obviously fan of 80s synthesizer music. Yeah. Or just a robot. <laughs> Don't worry, I got to Andrew. <laughs> and we also have our, our very first listener on tonight, Scott, if he's uh, able to say hi. I'm Scott. I'm uh, split my time between Southern Ontario and North Bay. I'm a paramedic. And uh, so sorry to hear that. Prepping. <laughs> right well, we, we can save that fight for another show. Yeah, here, here comes the emergency preparedness fight. All right, so I'll moderate. And uh, <laughs> yeah. welcome to the show, Scott. Well, thank you. Welcome. So, so, a cop, a firefighter, and, a, and an American walk into a bar. Hmm. <laughs> Guaranteed to offend at least a third of the panel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're off to a great start for number 100. Uh, all right, so aren't we? My show notes here. Holy jumping! I'm, I've only had one sip of beer. I'm already getting all lost. <laughs> so we've got, <laughs> we've got some centennial content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since last episode, and then we're going to get into the main topic. 100 episodes in, we're just going to chat with whoever wants to hop in and say hello. You literally skipped two segments. Yeah, well, yeah. hey. Drinking. Go ahead, Alan. Run, yep. run him back and get him back on track. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> We've only done 100 episodes. Like, I'll get it right eventually. In my best Eric voice, if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Pepper Podcast on the air, buy some swag. We have both Canadian Pepper Podcast t-shirts and tactical Velcro patches mm-hmm. at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds go to help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review for us on iTunes. We want your feedback, good or bad, uh, or if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Okay, so now rewind, um, listen to what I said before all that, and uh, we'll move into some news. Or we can, like, uh, the only news I have is uh, scotch. That's that's my news yeah. for the night. Scotch is good. That's nice. good news. Some yes. good news, finally. <laughs> All right, I guess my turn. Uh, Pakistan power outage. So uh, I guess it turns out that the, uh, well, we won't mention that YouTuber that copies us all the time. But anyways, it looks like an entire country copied <laughs> us this time. And uh, they had an entire power outage for the entire country of Pakistan. So uh, I put the article in there. It was, uh, I think they figured up to 200 million people were without power for a few days. So that's a thing. That's it? That's, that's a lot. Wild. Is that why suddenly I'm not wanted by the CRA for a few days? Well, yeah, I was going to say a lot, lot less telemarketing going on or something. Yeah. I don't know. 
Uh, anyway, um, also, it's going to be mentioned further on down, but uh, there's a bunch of protests spontaneously uh, arranged to protest the uh, curfew in Montreal. So a bunch of people took to the streets to say, this is not cool, which was kind of cool. And, Good for uh, them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for a bunch of commies, dare I say? I, <laughs> we're going to talk about that later. But uh, no, it's... Francais. Yeah, commies en français. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, good for them. I mean, they took to the streets right off the bat. No no tolerance for overextension of government overreach. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. So, And then the last one I had was uh, Australia. I mean, to quote Robert Downey Jr., they have gone full retard. They put out a tweet to the uh, the population saying that basically from now on, you should actually wear a mask by yourself in a vehicle in order to prevent the spread of COVID. Nope. That, that's not how that works. Yeah. No, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> That's all I had. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Eric, I think you're next. No, nope, the news articles for me today. No. Nope. Uh, so mine is very similar to um, what Ian had, was just that Quebec is entering a four-week uh, curfew, and I believe it's from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. There are some... Um, some exceptions for work, for example, if you need to go to the pharmacy and all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, I think yesterday they issued 200 tickets, if I'm not mistaken. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm definitely not a fan of that. Um, and I'm hearing rumbles that Ontario may follow suit. So we'll see how that goes. Yep, that's all I have. Yeah. I, I failed to say how much help, but... Uh, right, it, it concentrates everybody in, into, one, into one area at one time. How's, how can that possibly be a bad thing? <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, for myself, uh, I don't have any specific news articles, but I uh, just thought I'd do my best to kind of summarize the recent events here in the States. It's been kind of a chaotic past week or so. Uh, so I kind of just typed up a paragraph here uh, to tell everybody kind of what's been going on. Um, so I'm sure you've seen or heard by now that Trump protesters stormed the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. on January 6th in an apparent attempt to delay or stop Congress from counting the electoral votes. Uh, so counting these votes uh, was kind of the final step in the electoral process, uh, and this process is what ultimately decides who becomes president. Uh, from the election that took place on November 3rd between Trump and Biden, uh, it appears that Trump has finally exhausted all of his legal pathways to overturn the election, uh, despite evidence of voter irregularities and potential fraud. Uh, it's almost now certain that Joe Biden will be inaugurated on January 20th as the president. Uh, as a result of these recent events, we've seen just in the last few days, big tech uh, clamping down on free speech. So platforms like Twitter and Facebook have uh, entirely banned Donald Trump from their platforms. And other companies like Google and Apple have banned so-called conservative social media platforms like Parler from their app stores. Uh, so in addition to all this bad news... Uh, I guess if uh, you're Republican, bad news, the, the two Senate runoff races in Georgia have also both been declared for the Democratic contenders. So this means that the Senate's now split 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans, uh, with soon-to-be Vice President Kamala Harris as the tie-breaking vote. Uh, the Democrats also hold majority in the House of Representatives, and with Joe Biden taking office on January 20th, uh, the Democrats have very little in the way of Im implementing all their policies. Uh, so I think the last time I was on, it was actually just Eric and myself. We were kind of just uh, talking politics, and we kind of predicted that, yeah, during this period there was, uh, you know, potential for unrest. And <clears throat> unfortunately, we've seen exactly that in the last week. Yep. And it doesn't uh, doesn't seem like things are going to calm down soon. I know, like uh, like Nancy Pelosi's 
uh, planning to introduce impeachment articles now against Trump. They're trying to get him out of office before January 20th. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the coming days. But uh, you know, we still have Inauguration Day to look forward to. So hopefully everything stays peaceful. And What can possibly go wrong? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been a crazy start to 2021 already. So <laughs> Just a little bit. So it's bad enough. I mean, he's only got like ten days left before he's actually like you know, quote unquote, quitting or fired, getting fired anyway. But they want to fire yep. him ten days early. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Well, and also, all, mostly, it's prevent him from running again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's the big thing. Yep, it seems like that's kind of the biggest end goal. But I don't think anybody about, really. But the trouble. Everybody kind of knows after. it doesn't matter to get him out a few days early. But uh, yeah, if he's impeached, then he then he can't run again in twenty twenty four. So. But again, but you wasn't know, like, he impeached already? Like. No, uh, that was never successful. Exactly. Oh, yep. Right, he did pass. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. the chances of him being like physically fit to run again in four years are pretty slim. So yeah, I would, I would, uh, maybe talking the windmills. Yeah, yeah, we kind of forget everybody rags on Joe Biden for being old, which he is, but <laughs> yep. Trump's only a couple years younger than him, but uh, certainly seeming uh, much more energetic. It does feel like Vice President Harris is going to finish that term, though. But yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, yeah, exciting times down here. <clears throat> it's going to be a crazy 20 days. It sure is. It is. <laughs> it's been 10 days leading up to inauguration, then the first 10 days after are going to be just nuts, I think. It's been yeah. entertaining to watch. Well, Tyler has his district wins in the games. Yeah. It's funny because it's not me, you know? It's entertaining because it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? Yeah, I'll go first. So uh, just been decluttering the workshop, uh, something that has to take place in wintertime because I just don't have time in the summer. Uh, consolidating some technology assets as well as adding layers of network security. Um, so just things to do when it's dark at 4.30 p.m. So that's what I've been doing the last week or so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so for myself, I built a little DMR hotspot. I don't know if you can see it there on the camera. But uh, put that little guy together and uh, it allows me to... Uh, hook up to my, my handheld ham radio and chat around the world so I don't have to rely on the repeater here in town now. I've got my own little one. So that, that was a fun little project and starting to make some more contacts around the world with it. So yes, cool. for you purists in the ham radio world, it does cheat and it uses the internet for uh, for communication, but uh, it uh, it's a fun little project. So It's cool nonetheless. Yeah, it was, it was fun and, and it works. So it's even better. Cool. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's about all I've been up to. As for myself, uh, we had a big, uh, what we call a Pineapple Express, which is the same as a Nor'easter or anything else, but just on the West Coast version, uh, coming through here and knocked out a bunch of trees, a uh, massive windstorm and a bunch of rain. We, I think we had 400 millimeters, no, sorry, yeah, 40, 40 millimeters in a day. Anyways, something like, no, it's 111 millimeters, 44 inches. That was about it. I was like, I'll get it sooner or later. Four, 400, and, 400 millimeters is like... Yeah, no, I'll get that right. Metric is metric is hard. Leave me alone. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, four inches of rain is what I was trying to say. So, four inches of rain in one day. Uh, so that would cause uh, some minor issues to say the least. And we had to trench the living daylights out of the ditch that was uphill from our house to keep from flooding. And I uh, had to deal with that. So, plus the trees getting knocked down, it kept me busy with the chainsaw for a while. Uh, also required me to do a little more power line clearing to keep the uh, fallen brush off uh, the immediate vicinity of the power line. And uh, other than that, just did a quick run to the range to do some brass scrounging. Figured that I'd be under lockdown by now, so give me something to do. And um, did a little bit of reloading. And actually, a friend of mine managed to source a free freezer for us uh, to put feed in to keep the rats out. So nice. took, took possession of that. And that's pretty much it. 
Right. Uh, I did nowhere, did nowhere near that much. Um, currently attending an advanced first aid course um, in day two of four. And because the cottage that we're at is uh, mostly heated by wood, so we've, we've practiced some fire lighting skills. Uh, huge shout out to Claire, who's managed to keep fires going for three days now and doing a great job. Thanks. Uh, for myself, the last couple of weeks or months, uh, the biggest thing we've done around here, we added rabbits to the homestead. Uh, so I've built two large wooden rabbit hutches using uh, mostly all pallet lumber. Um, so we've also got 12 males, females, uh, a mixture of both from a family friend. Uh, my wife went ahead and processed seven of those rabbits herself uh, to make sure that we really wanted to start raising meat rabbits. Uh, she absolutely loves the rabbits, and they taste pretty good. They're pretty similar to chicken and really easy to process and pretty easy to cook and stuff. So uh, we decided to begin breeding a few of these rabbits, and we had our first rabbit babies about two weeks ago now. Uh, so we've got five little bunnies uh, growing very fast and hoping to be ready to process in about 10 weeks. Uh, besides adding the rabbits, uh, I finalized refinancing the house. Uh, I also got a healthy reimbursement check from escrow on my previous mortgage. And finally, uh, only 10 months after filing my taxes, got my income tax return from the federal government. Uh, with all that, I was able to pay off the car, uh, pay off the last little bit of the credit cards and other debt. Uh, so now I got just the mortgage to worry about. And uh, between uh, all the overtime recently at work and uh, that, I've been able to tuck uh, quite a bit away in the savings in the form of cash, which feels pretty nice given the, the current state of things down here. And uh, one big thing we did purchase with the money, uh, we got a freeze dryer coming. So we're pretty excited about that. Uh, purchased that about four weeks ago. So it should be here probably in about two months. They've got a pretty long lead time because there's a really high demand for them. But that pretty much summarizes what I've been up to. Nice. What That's, that's great. Uh, it's a harvest rate. Uh, pretty much the only ones that make them, but uh, it's their larger model. And yeah, I don't know. My wife, she's the one that really took this on and kind of egged me on to get one. And uh, I guess we'll see her back on the podcast. That was awesome. Yeah. 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 She'd probably uh, definitely come back on sometime. We'll have to do an episode on freeze drying once you get it all sorted out. Yeah. I'm sure she'd love to. Yeah. She's uh, really excited about it. So I'm excited to see what she does with it. (laughs) That'll be good. Yeah. Andrew, anything to to add for preps? Sorry. I didn't realize we were on. I can't read this show notes. New first time. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so lots I can't on. either. Apparently, no, I can't either. It, yeah. yeah, no, that's the. It's the not a requirement. Yeah, it's all right. Beer's a thing. So uh, a lot, lots of stuff going on. I bottled uh, mead a couple of weeks ago, which I am now drinking. I have the Angry Orange Man mead. I thought I figured it was topical given the yeah. world events. You didn't yeah. call them bad. Got, orange Man bad. Well, it's it's uh it's one of the only brews that I had that blew up during primary fermentation. Apparently, ginger is very reactive when it ferments. There's a joke there somewhere. Yep. Very, well, and yeah. So orange ginger mead, and uh, we got a bunch of others. We did uh, 25 pounds of honey into booze. So not an insignificant amount of mead to drink in my future. Nice. And uh, aside from that, I'm just on the uh, the workout and renovate train, so I'm getting in a 5K something every day. Usually a 5K run, some days a 5K ruck. I was just out today for a ruck with uh, with one of my shooting buddies because we can't go shooting because that's not 
socially appropriate with COVID. So we went on a really, really busy public trail. That sounds more COVID friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Way, way, way safer. That seems so Uh, much safer. Ongoing uh, renovations with my giant pile of tools that is now my background. Nice. That's that's a giant pile. It is. <laughs> All I right. Know, I think Hughes is bigger. Uh, yeah. Size <laughs> does matter there. Um, oh boy. All right. Well. Should we get some uh, get some guests on here? I was going to say, let's move into the main topic, and uh, I have posted the uh, the link to Facebook and YouTube. So if you want to hop in and uh, and join us, we uh, we're just doing a free for all this evening. So general chit chat. If anybody wants to hop in and talk, then uh, please. Do trolls so. are welcome. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Trolls are welcome. We, but we, yeah. we feed on hate. Yeah, yep. yeah. Make sure I've, you uh, uh, m- mention your first name when you're talking, and then uh, yeah, no naked <laughs> streaming, and keep it PG. Some swear, right, some game, but keep it to a minimum. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm surprised yeah, I'm uh, still here. <laughs> I put the uh, the link back in the show notes here. Um, so yeah, if you want to hop in, you don't have to use your real name if you don't want to. It's going to ask you for one, but you can put whatever you want in there. And uh, yeah, all that's required is a mic. You can disable the uh, webcam if you don't want to use it. And ah, we've got uh, we've got Scott Jeff. and we've got Jeff. So welcome to the show, gentlemen. Howdy. Let's see. Okay, we'll turn. Well, Scott, mic. you were here first. Uh, just uh, you already said hi, I guess. So Jeff, where? What's your what's your story? Tell us about yourself. I uh, am a recently retired nine one one. Dispatcher. So oh, Jesus. Involved, They're all here. <laughs> so I've been involved in uh, emergency services like Garrick, and actually I used to dispatch him. Sure did. I would, say I, could, I would say I could tell him where to go, but it never worked, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Wait, is this is this the same guy you, you, you've talked about, Eric, off air? Yes, this is him, yeah. Oh, I understand the gray beard. All right. It makes sense now. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to know. So, yeah. <laughs> so, like Eric, I've just seen an over-reliance on, I mean, being in the 911 field of what people actually call 9114 would blow your mind. So, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, nobody's prepared, nobody's ready for anything. So, I've taken up the interest, I've had it for a while, and so I'm just... Uh, Getting lots of uh, good information. I signed up for the ham course. Check that out today. Everything's good, so I'm good to go nice. with that. And that's, that's, that's me. Awesome. Thanks to uh, Phil. Now we look like the Brady Bunch. Yep. <laughs> We've got a full screen now. Welcome, Phil. All right, but I call Marsha. <laughs> I think everybody does. Well, you are the best looking one of the yeah, bunch. I was first to it. <laughs> Oh, Phil, you there? Oh, I am. Oh. I'm saying that if, if I had to be a Brady Bunch character, I'd rather be the housekeeper, Alice, because I've got to say whatever you wanted. So. Fair enough. That's a good call. Although That's a whole true. bunch of teenage, a whole bunch of teenage boys cooped up in a in a house. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to clean clean that? You'll start looking like a police station after a while. Yep. So a question for Scott, um, Jeff, and Phil. When did you start listening to the podcast? Was it recently? When were you around since episode one? Or That wonderful five-minute episode. Was it five minutes? Uh, I think it was w- with intro and everything, maybe six. <laughs> Plus time to coddle. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> true, yeah. Uh, you want to go ahead with this one, Jeff? Uh, probably about the last 
eight, nine months or so. I wasn't around for the very beginning, but probably the last um, eight or nine months I have. Yeah. Um, the forgotten early days, yeah. I would say, I would say for it's Phil. Sorry, I would say for me, it's probably been um, about five or six months as well. Probably um, didn't really know about the show originally, and uh, kind of stumbled across it. And I, uh, a lot of the other prepping channels, I just won't watch because they just get sort of too weird and too political, and this isn't so bad. Not fair. I'll take that. Not so bad is kind of the, so the best I could aim for in my life. Because yeah, we get weird at times and we do get political. So, times, so. Yeah, Very no, Canadian. Yeah, not no, so bad, eh? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you know, po political's fine. It's just, you know, it's it's just a lot of the, a lot of the really angry rhetoric you hear out of say more of our some some of the southern shows, right? You know, like across the border there. It's uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, Tyler, way to go. Yeah. Oh, this is how. This is why. Yeah. This is not how I make friends normally. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Uh, and welcome, Jason. Oh. Oh, if Jason's there. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Ran away. He'll come back. Right. Well, he might come back. Come back, Jason. We miss you already. Yeah. Well, I guess I've never heard. How did uh, like Ian and Eric and Alan? How did you guys all get together on the podcast here? How did that all start up? Well, I, uh, I I published a a sad six minute video or six minute uh, episode, and then another ten minute episode, and then I think another ten minute episode, and then Ian came along and rescued me. <laughs> <laughs> but was it really a rescue? Because we uh, yeah we uh, we had an in house I guess it was a, at the time a BlackBerry messaging group, and yep. then so we uh, we found like a little minor, minor prepper group and then we just uh start I, eric was looking for volunteers and i didn't know any better so i just said okay i'll do it and then uh <laughs> yeah, to do our first to do our first podcast took <laughs> two hours three hours and Roughly, we got 40 minutes yeah. out of it and yeah. uh, because we were using was it skype i think it was but we ended up having so many takes because we were trying to be perfect right off the bat yeah and that's never going to happen and so no. I was nervous. He, we were trying to figure out our little interaction and our little repartee, and yep. and trying to figure out our show format. And it was just it was awkward as awkward as fuck. So yeah, anyways, it, it really was. The first few episodes were, <laughs> were rough, and we yeah. weren't doing them live either. It was literally like we'd call in. It was just a private chat. We'd record everything. Um, I'd go through and try to edit out little spots where I could, but we would try yeah. to you know if we if we didn't do a certain section right, we'd stop. We'd re-record that section again. And it would take us four or five takes to do it. And it was just, yeah. It, that's that's no fun. It can be format. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Then, I, then we flipped the, the live format. Well, then I actually I went to my, my inspiration for the show, which was the uh, right directly below me here on the screen, oh, actually. Is. So <laughs> I, uh, I was listening to a Canadian Patriot podcast, and I was yep. like, you know, those guys have it kind of switched on, and they've got a good, firm, good format going. And yep. turns out they had bored the format as well. But anyway, <laughs> but they had the right format, and I just thought, well, we should do more like Why reinvent the wheel? Doing. Yeah, exactly. These guys know what they're doing, right? Yep. So I uh, actually I contacted Andrew, and I actually asked him to come on the show, his show, to plug our podcast because he had an audience and also I wanted to kind of get see how they do things on the inside and uh, they just never told me to leave. Yeah. That was pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, that's how I came about. We tried to tell oh, you yeah. to leave a few times and you keep coming back. I found Eric... Yeah, uh, I found, well, I found the, the, 
podcast just through through Spotify. I was just looking for new things to listen to while I was driving. Um, sent an email to sent an email to the guys after one episode. I forget which one, and the rest is history. Yep. I think that was episode seven. Was was the first episode I was? Yeah, on. I want to say you're in around around seven to ten. It was water. I remember that. Yep. It was. I, yep. I think it was episode seven, and that was. Uh, I've been I've been a regular guest since. Yep. I honestly don't remember when I came in. I, don't don't well, I think I, yeah. I contacted you. Three, three minutes had... too. That's when you came in. Yeah, Ian, <laughs> you, you, I think you contacted me. But did yeah. I know Eric and Alan before that? I don't know. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was around with the. I was around on the B because I used to work for BlackBerry BBM, so I used to moderate um, things like channels and stuff. Yep. Well, yeah, then I, uh, I I'd watched some of your videos beforehand, but we never interacted. Yeah. Videos yeah. like on YouTube. Yeah. I should get back on that. Shit. And, should. <laughs> you really should. And I, uh, I think I used, I quoted your bleach episode about three or four times. Yep. If I said, I should just get a hold of this guy and see if he wants to come on. And, uh, that was that. Oh uh, yes. The notorious bleach episode. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I remember I think you guys. were in the, the BBM prepper group there too. And I was advertising, looking for, uh, for people to help out. Right. I think there was like 20 or 25 people in my group at a yep. point. And yeah. Yeah. It was another smaller group, like all groups do. And yep. yeah. Okay. So we basically all came about the same way, just emailing into the show and we're yeah. welcomed on and just kind of stay that way. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's a question on Facebook from Ken. Have we all met in person? Ah. And so interesting, like Ian and I have been in the same room together and Eric and I have been in the same room together, yep. but Ian, Eric, and I have never been in the same room together. Nope. And I've gone to lunch with Ian when he... Um, he came into Halifax one time. I think it was last summer. Not yeah. this summer. It was last summer, yeah. yeah. So I think the only person I haven't met in person yet is Tyler. Yeah, I have not met anybody yet, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and yeah, I, like, I drive near Andrew on a pretty regular basis. Borders. Challenging. Yeah, yeah. The, the problem is Alan sends me a message and is like, hey, I'm really close to where you live. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the middle of stuff. Like I'm yeah. on conference calls, or I'm not in town today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never, it's never like any more than a four minutes city. of warning. Yeah. 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 Or there's Sunday, the odd message Sunday. in our group chat that says, "I was just in your area ten minutes ago." Well, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I never, I never think of it until, until you know the most inconvenient time. So, so now, Ian, Andrew and I live on the near, other side of the country from me. Ian is very convenient to get a hold of because I'm like, I'm randomly going to be in, I don't remember where I was, Edmonton or something. And Ian's like, I'm going to be in Edmonton that day too. (laughs) Yeah, well, we had lunch in Montreal. We've had lunch in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Montreal, that's right. That's where it was. I was trying to think where I'd I'd been. And then we uh, we were supposed to meet up in Vancouver a couple months ago. Then your work got canceled. So, Uh, the work still happened. I just didn't go. I sent my underlings. And I think, I mean, for me being in Halifax, I mean, um, I'm far out in the East. Sorry, where? I used to Halifax. No, where? Halifax. I mean, I used to travel to Toronto quite often uh, for work prior to COVID, but I don't think that's going to come back even after COVID. My company's found ways to um, move everything to virtual. So uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing an office again. I don't think we're going to be seeing customers or other employees face-to-face. Um, not that I have anything against that, but yeah, I'll miss the occasional travel to Toronto, I guess. Really? You will? Well, just, I mean, well, you, you guys well, have a Chipotle there and I don't. So, I mean, it's, well, yeah, fair enough. But I mean, you don't have to that to you. You also yeah, have sure, the sure in Halifax that you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> That's probably for the best. <laughs> oh. All right. So question for our listeners that are currently on the panel. Um, 
have you guys learned anything about preparedness from us, or is there anything you know we we kind of steered you guys wrong at, or anything else? Any commentary? Please say the bleach episode. Yeah. Please, please, please. <laughs> bleach episode. Bleach. Phil, go ahead. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I probably your last episode, which was um, which was with regards to power outages, the the big one, I think it was called, or something like that. Yeah, the great was, one. Yeah, the great, great one. one. Yeah, yeah. That, that was good, right? I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's all great to talk about thermolecular holocausts and <laughs> meteorites hitting the planet and zombie whatever, right? But I mean, it's, 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 well, you know, Pakistan right now, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's that's that's what's going to get you, right? And so, <laughs> you know, when we talk about common sense stuff like that, or um, there's been a few times where um, <laughs> I'll I'll stop you right there. Right. You can't call it common sense. It has to be good sense. If it were common oh, sense, sense, more people would have it. And oh, fewer on the panel <laughs> would have jobs. That's true. Exactly. Yep. exactly. <laughs> that's right. Sticking the fork in the electrical saw. So- Why? No, sorry. Um, <laughs> Continuity testing. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, Natural selection. <laughs> that's right. Um, Job security. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I, I that's 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 probably most of the stuff I take from the show. Um, I, I was really getting into it when you guys started talking about uh, the ham radio. I was hoping yep. there'd be there'd be a little more about that in the future, uh, talking about actual setups and you know reaching out. And um, I'd also love to see a show. I actually I sent an email to Ian a little while ago or a message out to Ian. I, I don't know if that was through Patreon. I sent it or I can't remember, but. Um, just, just about how you guys formed mags, or did you form mags, or what that all looks like, and because I've I've gone to a few groups out here in Vancouver, and um, yeah, there's there's a there's a definite damaged quality to uh, to to a lot of the the, the more prepared minded out here. They're far more conspiratorial than they are prepared, right? Yeah. I mm-hmm. start hearing about the Illuminati and groups that live in other countries <laughs> and. I'm like, all right, well, we're done. Have a great day. And, Everyone uh, wants to be a prepper until it's time to do actual prepper stuff, and then right, they just want yeah. to talk about the big orange man. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways, I'm going to close my speak hole and let someone else go. And Ian, you're talking to me, Betty. Yeah. Sorry, there you go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Try the aisle. We're a little more relaxed. But anyways, like, uh, seriously, uh, Phil, before I forget, uh, drop me a PM. Like, I didn't get your email, unfortunately. Uh, probably like a spam filter, but I'll check it for sure tonight. If you just drop me an email, um, contact at the end of the show. and then Just, um, just give your phone number on air. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, no, the, Illumin- I mean, the, the Illuminati will know it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, they already do, Ian. Don't yeah, worry. They, but, yeah. Thank you, Alan. Yeah. But... I, I, uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm certain I sent it to you, but I also was drinking. So I mean, oh, there you maybe, go. Yeah, it's uh, all in my head. But for sure, because I'm in and out of Vancouver a lot, so maybe we can meet up for a coffee sometime and just say hi. Oh, cheers. Yeah, it'd be great. Ian's more about the prepping and less about the uh, conspiracy stuff. It's all like swipe, wipe. A lot yeah, of people have asked me, like, this prepper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of people have asked me, what is it you prep for? And you say like a zombie apocalypse and, you know, they think you're kind of a right wing nut. But at the same time, it's yeah. like, you know, if you're prepping for a zombie apocalypse, you're, you're getting ready for anything that Mother Nature or life can throw at you, right? Whether that be a power outage or a storm or anything like that. So it's just really a meta, a metaphor to say, you know, I'm ready for anything, right? So but then you have to like, say that people are like, zombie you, you, you mean there aren't going to be actual zombies? 
I was really so my, my raking axes are not going to be useful. <laughs> the raking axes, <laughs> or you have to learn to fire your Colt Python like this, like Rick style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This uh, this pandemic has been really unfortunate. I was hoping for zombies, but yeah, uh, yeah. So hey, now that the twenty 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 one has nowhere to go but up. We've already well, done a whole lot of the stuff. Yep. I was hoping the vaccination would bring out the zombies, but wait, yet. wait till the South African strain comes. Mm, there's still yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> plenty, plenty of time. Plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a real. Uh, What's that? Oh, sorry. I, th that whole the whole South African and UK thing. I mean, I'm sure they're real, but I'm kind of getting a murder hornet vibe from that, right? Oh it's, well, uh, yeah. We we were talking about this before the show as well. It's like most most viruses tend to mutate to a less like a more virulent but less lethal form, right? Be because it's not in their best interest to kill their hosts, right? So I mean, it's honestly, it, it, yeah, yeah it, it, and they've been saying yeah, it's catchier, but they've never said it's deadlier. So that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a good example because I mean, if you look at viruses like Ebola, like if Ebola um, were the pandemic right now, it, I mean, it would wipe out a lot more people than what the coronavirus is. But with the problem with Ebola is that it kills off the host so quickly that it doesn't have the opportunity to spread like the coronavirus, right? Um, I was watching a show a few weeks ago where they were talking about the, I think they were like virologists or something and they were in Africa and saying, if you think the coronavirus is bad, you should see the stuff that's popping up in sub-Saharan Africa. And if that ever makes a jump to humans, we're screwed. Like there's, not, there's not going to be any stop stopping this. Right. So you could all, I, you could all yeah. uh, a guy I went to high school with, um, I, I actually, I actually moved to Vancouver from Winnipeg about a decade ago for obvious reasons, Winnipeg. Um, and, um, one of the, one of the guys I went to high school with, I bumped into him a few years later and he ended up, uh, he was a virologist and he worked at the virology lab in Winnipeg. And I had just seen the movie, uh, what was the one with Dustin Hoffman and the donkey in the monkeys? Uh, oh, yeah, no, it was, they, they dropped Outbreak, that's it. Yeah, yeah, they dropped that daisy cutter or that Moab on that village. Yeah. yeah. And I said to him, I said, like, is there stuff like that out there? And he's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, it's like there's there, there's stuff out there that would, you know, and I mean he didn't tell me that much about it, but I also didn't want to pry too much, so cool. What about you, Scott? <laughs> Sorry, what was the question again? Yeah. Anything you learned <laughs> from the show? There it is. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> There's too many people. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, is uh, anything you like learn from the show, or we steered you wrong, or right, or anything else? No, I I've been enjoying everything. I uh, I mean, I've kind of been picking my way selectively through episodes for the past four or five months. Um, I mean, I've sort of been in a prepper mindset for a while. I already have my hand license, um, nice. but I enjoy thinking about this stuff. I love technology that doesn't depend on an internet-based subscription and bouncing you know if, if a server in california goes down i don't want my fridge to stop working um so i very much enjoy all that that school of thought um i would love to get to the point where i have a wood fire powerful enough to run a generator that can run a welder that can make another wood gasifier i think at that point i know i'll be set uh, Engineer seven seven five is your guy. I think he's the wood gasifier guy. He's on that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a, that's an excellent goal. Yeah. That's well, pretty cool. My uh, my wife and I took uh, a welding course together. It was our Tuesday night uh, date night for fun. <laughs> um, sort of my goal being eventually to be able to build a gasifier. So I think 
you know, eventually I'll run out of propane or gasoline. I know I have enough trees. Yeah. Nice. I love it. That's a great. Uh, uh, that's a great goal. Um, James in the was that the Facebook uh, the Facebook chat um, saying we yep. look way less weird than he thought we did. Yep. I mean, there's <laughs> a reason I don't have my camera on. <laughs> That's a lot of A's in way. Yeah. Way less weird. Maybe it's like we he expected this to look like the three uh, the lone gunman. There, that old X Files spinoff. <laughs> oh man, that was the worst show. <laughs> Like it was, it was quite literally the worst show on TV. Yeah, it wasn't great. But anyway, <laughs> too bad Mr. Philp couldn't join us tonight. But I guess he's got technical issues tonight. Yeah. Oh well. Good. Jeff, anything you enjoyed in general? Just remember, I have the ban button, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know where you live. <laughs> um, no, I I've picked up a lot of good little tips and hints here and there. I really enjoyed the the bucket episode the five gallon bucket what can you put in the bucket what should you put in there what should you take what oh, you kind fun. of really opened my eyes to what i didn't have and what i probably should have and i uh, i really got a lot out of that one i thought that was a good one but you know a great place to buy a lot of the things that we talked about in that episode are at rapidsurvival.com <laughs> he's already got too much of my money already <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty shameless uh, plug. Yeah. Uh, that, that was. I, I have no shame at all for this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a fun episode to put together, the five-gallon bucket challenge. I rather enjoyed that one. Uh, question from Philip. Uh, so much of the topics you consider for an episode essentially is at the basic level uh, to whet the appetite for a skill set. Is there any intention of digging deeper on any subjects and maybe dig into a topic for uh, two or three episodes? Yeah. You can certainly go full autism on ham radio and a couple other yep. ones, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. it, what would you maybe, like to see, Philip? Yeah, tell us what you want yeah. to see for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we specific. Kinda, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think we we bantered around probably a year ago or so doing um, like a series uh, episode and just doing four or five episodes on a specific topic. Um, it just never really came together. Uh, the joys of everybody working shifts and being all over the map. It just well, the problem is like get, out, Dan, but... get Andrew on to talk for three episodes about body armor. I mean, well, it'd be awesome yeah. for me. <laughs> Some people might not enjoy it as much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, all depends. those people don't need body armor. That solves <laughs> that problem. That's true. <laughs> I mean, we already beat that one for what an hour and an hour and yeah. forty minutes or something. It was a long one. But yeah, I mean, like this yeah, is... I I have a thing. It happens. But I mean, like, yeah, like some some people might not be interested in the same thing. So, yeah, any suggestions on what we might find interesting versus what you find interesting is always welcome, yeah. for sure. I think the skills is a really important one because we, yeah. you know, when we first start off in prepping, I think you focus mainly on the materialistic things, like what yeah. do I have to get? What do I have to have on hand? But really, when you think about, um, I think it was Scott that mentioned that, you know, he took a welding course with his, his significant other during a date night. You know, it's it's easy enough to go to Canadian Tire or Harbor Freight or anywhere like that and buy, you know, a welder for a few hundred bucks. But if you don't know how to use it, um, that tool is really going to be useless in your hands, right? So even that couple hours of basic instruction on something like a welder uh, is going to make a whole world of a difference, right? And also, like, I can buy a ham uh, radio and all the equipment if I don't know how to use it, if I'm not licensed to, to use it, what's the point of having it, right? So I could probably figure it out somewhat but it's uh, it really come, comes down to once you get further and further into prepping it's not just about 
what do I need to have, but what skills do I need to acquire in order to be effective with everything? It's like shooting too, right? I'd rather somebody spend, you know, $700 on a handgun and $2,300 on training than $3,000 on handgun and no training at all, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's one well, of the reasons we, we always kind of, so that's why we always kind of push that home on all the episodes of you know practice using your equipment, practice using your equipment, and practice using your equipment because if you don't know how to use it, it's not going to be useful to you. Yeah, I mean, if you just buy it and you put it in the back of your truck, but you've never used the thing before, I mean, when you actually need to go use uh, use it in a real world uh, situation, you know, it may not even work. I mean, you may have yeah. bought you know the one dud that those on the shelf. So I mean, you have to use these things. You have to um, even when it comes to you know, buying the gear that you need to make a survival shelter, go out in your backyard and make a survival shelter. You don't necessarily have to go 100 miles from from your home. I mean, you, you just go in the woods behind your home and try to set it up, and you're going to learn a lot, right, just from that little experience. So, Or that uh, one battery in your bug out bag for the bow thing, and you're trying to figure out how to use it, and you waste yep. three-quarters of the battery trying to figure out how to program a frequency? Yeah. <laughs> there. Wait, you can do that in under one battery? <laughs> yeah. Teach That's me the Razor Master. <laughs> Probably that is not easy. That was uh, um, actually I gave I gave my one my one over to, uh, to to one of the local hams and he programmed all the local repeaters for me because he had the cable and I don't. So that's uh, it's it's yeah, pretty I get the cable. It's doable. It's just not easy or pleasant. Yeah. Jason, you on now? I can hear you now. Good evening, oh, everybody. There we go. Hey, Jason. So, what, what, can you tell us about the show? Would you learn anything from it? Uh, you know what? It's you guys mentioned stuff that you know. Growing up poor in Manitoba, you, you kind of prepping was not a not a thing. It was just the way we grew up, so that wasn't a big deal. But it, I love the constant reminders to get out there, get the woodshed filled, plan your garden, get it ready. Get like the reminders to get out there and do stuff that is that is uh, expedient and meaningful as opposed to fun. Like so it's not all of it's fun, right? Um, True. It, it's good. To, it's it's. Fair. Yeah, it's it's more of a reminder to get out there and get stuff accomplished. Make your bed. Yeah. Exactly. If, you accomplish, if you accomplish one thing in your day, you're you're moving forward. Yep. Um, Philip gives a response here. It says, uh, "My theory of operation is planning systems rather than scenarios." Although I recognize the versatility of holding a scenario-based process, especially in getting a new folks up to speed, I can certainly grow in all topics. But I have been flaunting with the idea of ham also. Sounds like we need to do ham radio part three. Sounds like this, uh, is, yeah. this is what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. I'm going to need to get my ham radio license. You when you get guys, your license. When you, <laughs> guys get your license. To, when you guys do your next ham radio, you guys should start um, describing some of your equipment and what equipment choices are there. Uh, and why you chose the equipment. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and how you, and how you made the decision. It's just if we know what you use to make your decision, we might make a different decision, oh. but we might use the same process. Well, I mean, here's a, here's an idea, Eric. You've got a couple of radios for me. Yep. Why don't I go up there and we can install the radio in my truck and we can do that as a, do that as a pre-recorded show. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. 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 Why not? Yeah, we do can. Yeah, we did it. And Somebody's going to be on the beat. I got a free install of a radio out of Eric. That's that's a hundred percent what I wanted out of this. <laughs> I got to at least get it halfway through the job, and then you figure out. Like, that was, that's pretty Tom Sawyer. <laughs> well, I figure you're at least bringing the case of beer, so that works. Well, of course. <laughs> like, I Absolutely. Think the- 
the good thing about showing the equipment is like uh, I think it was Andrew, Eric, and Jeff just all showed off their radios there. And I've seen radios like that, but I'm like, are those actually ham radios? Because I'm expecting like some sort of base station unit that like you know you see like in an old Stephen King movie or something like you know. I mean, it's um, so yeah, it's something a radio if you try hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Oh, so um, that's cool. Steve Brown has a comment on Facebook. Um, I don't know, Eric, if you want to bring it up on screen. It says, I see a lot of preppers say, um, I don't need a ham license in a shit hit the fan scenario, but how do you actually know um, how to use it? Going to fumble through it uh, when you actually need yeah. it. And that's a really good comment because, I mean, I did, I do own a Beofang um, ham radio, but I don't have a license. So although I can listen, I can't, I can't legally talk on it. Um, and to be honest, I don't, I don't really know how to use it outside of what I've learned on YouTube, which is probably not all that much. Right. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, I just, I just lambasted myself for saying, you know, I've got the equipment, but I don't have the skill to do it. Um, and it's one of those things. It's like, you know, instead of playing call of duty, I could probably just, you know, pick up a book and start studying. So it's one of those things. It's one of those constant reminders that, you know, it is, it, it really is a skill that I need to acquire. So. Yeah. And that's a comment I see all the time is, you know, why, why am I going and getting the license? You know, screw the government and their fees for licensing, because if shit hits the fan, I don't, I don't need it. And it's just, I'll just start transmitting. Yeah, that might work for you, but it, it goes back to us always drilling home in all the episodes of know your equipment, know how to use it. Um, you know, you're, you're going to invest some time. You're going to learn how to use the equipment. And then right. from there, if if uh, a shit hit the fan situation does happen, you're going to know how to use it. You're not going to be fumbling with it, trying to figure it out. You'll already have that foundation on how to do it and how to use it. And yeah, you're right. You're not going to need that license come shit hit the fan scenario, but you're going to need the knowledge on how to operate the equipment. Right. Wait a minute. Back it up. Back it up. Did, did Hughes just say something bad about Call of Duty? No, 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 I, I no. played quite a bit. Where's the band hammer button? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, but, that, but that does that comes back to? Um, I'm sorry, I, my screen is really small. I can't. I don't remember who it was that said it. Maybe Phil. Um, yeah, understanding the why behind it, right? Uh, getting your ham license isn't going to teach you how to program your Beofang or how to use it, but it's going to make it easier to easier to understand the concepts behind what all those numbers and menus mean. Because yeah. even right. if you understand how to program it, if you don't know what you're, what you're reaching out to or who you're reaching out to, it's, it's not going to do you looking good. And the thing is, too, right now, I can, I can look up. I mean, I've got access to enough information and people that I know I would know how to program the radio and how to um, you know, input channels and all that kind of stuff. But being that you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen, I'm not going to start transmitting on it without a license because the penalties... Um, both civil and criminal are, are quite big, right? So I know I'm not going to do that in, in, a, in a peacetime scenario. And, and because of that, I'm not getting any real-world experience so that if shit does hit the fan, I'm not, I'm not going to be confident in my ability to communicate using one of those. So I'm probably not, not going to pick it up. And for Jason, I just put myself on full screen here just because I'm a, a media whore. But <laughs> also, so the, uh, the, the bow fan can be as small as this type of thing if you actually, like, this is the VHF and, you know, uh, uh, version of banana that. yellow. Yeah, yes. and, and the banana yellow. But it can actually be as big as this with the extra big battery. Depends on what you're using it for and, and what yeah. kind of battery system you want to have it set up. But the ones you're thinking of on the on the desktop are like the HF, like the more long distance yep. stuff. This is all, these ones are for, basically for short range only. And, but couldn't uh, you, with a repeater, reach around the world with that radio? 
Uh, you could reach a long ways with this radio for sure. Actually, uh, I'm still trying to get a hold of Glenn Tate, and he's about 50, 60 miles from me down the down the island um, in Washington State. But um, yeah, we're, we're still trying to like coordinate days and reception because I'm in a little valley. It doesn't work that well. So, gotcha. Yeah, they're pretty low power for transmission. They're they'll be between five and eight watts, but right. But once you hit repeater, once you hit a repeater, it just yeah, depending on how far the repeater goes and the systems it's linked up to, you could in theory do worldwide, but you're probably going to do a couple hundred K with it, yeah. which is still impressive. Still better than the radios you get at Canada for 40 bucks, right? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. They claim 47 miles and you get about 40 feet out of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 40, 47 miles downhill at sea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I can't here on Facebook, like having a snap on screwdriver and not knowing what end to use. <laughs> well, actually, uh, yeah, hello, man. You use yeah. both ends. You use one end to smash yeah. things with, another end to pry things with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't you dare bring that tool back on a snap-on truck, and you know, if you break it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's a good point. No, especially it'd be a little pricey to be doing it with snap-ons. But anyway, that's why it has a lifetime warranty. That's a them problem, not a me problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so we decided that we're going to do another another ham episode. I'm good with this. I, I yeah. think that's what we've taken away from this is yeah, we'll right. do a more in depth ham episode and kind of maybe do like a, an EDC pocket dump, but for ham equipment. Yeah. So now the we'll question is uh, for the next segment here is uh, how have we all changed uh, since we started doing the podcast preparedness wise? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start with that. So it's uh, it's kept me more accountable, right? Because I know every Sunday, at least most Sundays, I have to have something to report back on. So I know that uh, if I don't have a list that at least somewhat kind of sounds the same length as Ian's, I've accomplished something. Is, so is it, that like positive peer pressure? <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, if the, the Sundays I do show up for the show and I don't have anything to add for what I've done recently, I, you know, I feel a bit bad about it. So it's, it's nice. Uh, it's nice to have that. And then it just, Wait, you don't, you don't just make stuff up. That's what I do. when I don't, I don't have anything to add. The secrets. Jeez, come on. <laughs> I assume that's what Ian does too. I, I mean, how else does he yeah. get that many pages of stuff in the show notes? What's that? I think from notes on uh, Facebook here from Ken, uh, some episode ideas like reloading and food storage. And I think food storage goes back to the basics, which is one thing I'd like to um, kind of expand upon this year, right? Because we have a lot of new listeners that may or may not have gone through the existing episodes that we have. But I think this is also an evolving learning for us and for the listeners as well. So um, you know, you can't really discount the basic skills and the basic things you need when you get, get into prepping, like looking at being self-sufficient for at least 72 hours at the beginning, right? So you don't, I mean, when you look at prepping, you have to look at, you know, beyond food, you have to look at fuel, you have to look at water, you have to look at communications, first aid and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you only have a hundred dollars to spend on this a month, given that you have a budget, you know, don't go spend it all on food or don't go spend it all on first aid. You really have to start and say, you know, I can be self-reliant for 72 hours and then a week and then two weeks and three weeks. And, you know, then you get to the point where you're like, Ian, you, could, you know, live out like 100 years or so. But <laughs> you nice to go back to those or 100 hours, one of the two. I don't know. 100 hours, yeah. Yep. I'm good. Kind of depends on who's visited. That's right. They're <laughs> actually empty. There's nothing yeah. in them. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like that big vault in Game of Thrones there. Uh, yeah, Ken Abernathy mentions reloading. Uh, we did a, a basic... Uh, episode that we haven't done a deep dive on that, so that's a good point. Nope. We could do that. Yeah. I like the uh, the comment from uh, Philip Dow about the pace system. So your primary 
primary auxiliary contingency and emergency plans. So your backup to ham, I mean, ham is your backup to most things. Um, the internet and cell phone towers stop working for some reason. Your ham system should still work. And if it doesn't, um, I mean, we could totally do a semaphore episode or, you know, some kind of smoke signal communications. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> Only if we get a really cute girl to do like the flag waving for us. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, I see. I'm not. I'm not good enough for you. That's yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Th- thanks. Thanks for the attempt, Andrew. I should have said so, a really cute ginger. That would have been good enough, right? Hey. Hey. Andrew, like shave, shave the beard and we'll talk. But yeah. Yeah. Same thing with uh, equipment maintenance and food storage. He mentions yep. that as well. Like we could probably go deeper into equipment maintenance. I mean, of course, a couple of my listeners are going to laugh at me for me talking about equipment maintenance because I'm the world's worst person at that. But anyways, we can get into yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, I think we were so another. I, I actually have a question for the the regular hosts of the show. Uh, what what was it, and when? Uh, what year did you guys actually start getting into prepping? Was was there a specific trigger for you that got you into this, or was this something that your families just carried through for you, or you know, was it you know? I know for me it was around two thousand eight. That's when I sort of woke up a little bit, but I'm just wondering. What was the trigger in 2008, Phil? Or was there a trigger? No, it was the financial crisis. Financial crisis. My my father-in-law at that time, who I discovered later on was sort of a closet prepper, pulled me aside and uh, said, um, because I was living in Winnipeg at the time, uh, he was very concerned of a total financial collapse and ergo social collapse. And he was like, you know, if something terrible happens, I want you to basically take all the food in your house and my daughter, put them both in your vehicle and drive up to Brandon, right? Because they lived out just, they lived a couple miles outside of Brandon. And I was like, what What are you talking about? And he he was the first person to sort of really enlighten me, you know, kind of get me, get me. And then we, we progressively talked after that. And, uh, the situation thankfully didn't turn out that bad, but that's that was that was sort of really the thing that actually got me into prepping. So I'm wondering, is it same sort of scenario with you guys, or was this always a family thing? Or I think I think for me, um, I think there was a so Hurricane One happened in Halifax, I think 2001 or 2002, and it was it was like the first real hurricane that hit the area in like 50 years. Um, and for most of us in the rural area, we were out of power for anywhere from like 12 to 15, some, some even like 18 days. So that really got me started to think about, you know, uh, what if this could happen again? And sure enough, every year since Hurricane Juan hit, like t- almost two decades ago now, we've had, you know, continuously worse and, and bigger hurricanes. But I think really, you guys are going to make fun of me for this, but it was a show, Doomsday Preppers, that basically just clinched it, right? It was... Um, seeing that this was actually a thing and people were actually, I mean, it was a bit extreme, but that's really what got me into it, I think, was the Doomsday Prepper show. So I think it was always in the back of my mind after the hurricanes, just being prepared for at least 72 hours until help could come and restore power and all that kind of stuff. But Doomsday Prepper was really what kind of kicked in in high gear. So so if nobody's laughed at Hughes yet, so I'm gonna, you guys can laugh at me now. So uh, I started lar- I started larping about it after watching Red Dawn. So there you oh, go. Oh, I was just gonna say Perfect. when it was in theaters. That's how old I am. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you oh, just admitted yeah. that on a recorded show. Oh yeah, so no, I'm, 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 Wolverines, baby. 
so yeah, no, I started LARPing about it back then, but you know, it wasn't really until I started getting serious. Cause I was just a firearms prepper at that point, for the most part. Uh, and you know, a pile of guns and ammo should be good enough, right? Fight off those commies. Good yeah. to go. Bullets and bandages. Yep. Yeah, but anyways, moving along. Behind the Cold War. Yeah. It was actually the 2003 power outage. Really, that's when I had to put my big boy pants on and take care of my pregnant wife and uh, house without power. And yeah, start getting serious after that. Nice. Yeah, I guess uh, for myself, uh, all jokes aside, it was kind of that. Uh, growing up, I grew up on a small hobby farm. Uh, we raised a lot of our own meat, had our own chickens. Uh, you know, we bailed our own hay from the neighbors' fields, those sorts of things. Uh, we just had ten acres and goats and pigs and chickens and horses, but uh, we kind of did it all, uh, showing showing in 4-H and everything else. Um, I went on to well, I graduated high school in 2012, and then went on to college. Graduated in 2015, and then I went back and lived with my folks for a year and uh, was looking for my own place to buy. And that uh, 2015, I was like going into the 2016 election. So as, uh, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton and Trump were going through their election cycle, I was basically looking to buy my first house. And, you know, I am always flying off the shelves. And, uh, yeah, now that Ian says Red Dawn, I've, I've thought about this you know, looking back now, but uh, I remember when, when I was in middle school watching that movie and I had a little duffel bag packed with like my camp and stuff. And I just thought that was the coolest. They had that uh, flare side Chevy pickup with the roll bar and they all peel out of the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I always kind of dreamt about that growing up. And uh, I don't know, it was looking back, it was sort of emphasized uh, for my parents. You know, they would always grocery shop in bulk and dad would always say, Oh, at least you kids know how to feed yourself and stuff. And, uh, he he had a prosthetic leg. He got shot deer hunting when he was 21. So I, he taught me how to do everything, and you know I kind of had to fill that role early. I was always doing the vehicle maintenance, and you know I was eight, eight, nine, ten years old, and I was out there putting up fence posts. And uh, now that I've got my own place and I've got a wife, she's totally on board with it. We're we're basically starting our own little little hobby farm here, and uh, you know the, the two ideas sync together really well. Uh, you know we're able to grow our own meat and. Uh, she runs a soap business, so almost all the byproducts we can use for soap and lotion, deodorant, all that sort of stuff. She loves doing all with me. So, yeah, it's been uh, really taking off the last year, year and a half, two years or so. So, by yeah. show of hands, am I the only one that hasn't seen Red Dawn yet? Yep. Uh, I haven't seen it. I mean, there, 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 there are two versions out there. You'd, like, they even did a remake of it. Okay, well, first of all, the remake is just a, it's like a blasphemy at this point. Rubbish. Well, I mean, you can't have Thor's in Wolverine. Come on now. But, <laughs> That'll be on my list of things to do this week. Yeah, yeah that, you should, that should move high on your list. Also, um, also, I don't think a scorpion actually has any accuracy over 40 feet. And these guys were like taking long range shots with these little scorpion 9mm. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> It's all I'll, I'll that piece of yeah. Well, just because you can't hit anything past 40 feet doesn't mean they can't. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> um, so the, I, got, I got lost in the woods when I was really young um, as part of a, scout, a scouting trip, spent the night on my own. Um, I was really lucky that one of my scouters was a, um, he was a military reservist and taught us about survival and all of those things from a very early age. My grandparents were always kind of the same people that, uh, um, Tyler described that we're always, you know, the bottom bulk, there was never an emergent need for anything because it just kind of existed and it was easy and calm for them. Um, the big one for me was uh, the ice storm in 98 through uh, Ontario and Quebec. 
Um, did a, um, I did 17 days of disaster relief there and saw what happened when people weren't able to take care of themselves. Now, I was really young when that happened. I think I was 16 or 17. Um, spent a lot of time, spent a lot of time in very, uh, very cold, very icy, very wintry conditions. And I was lucky that we were fully supported by the military and it was still unpleasant. Um, so that was, the, that was the big one for me. And then Y2K kind of got a little bit crazy because everybody was nuts. And then 2003, when the power went out, um, again, disaster relief for that. And it was, um, it was just that, that clincher that I don't ever want to be in that position where I'm, you know, huddled in the dark, hoping that someone's going to come help me. Well, too, I guess early on in my, my career back in the day, I mean, let's face it, I'm, I'm sitting there flying a, a single-engine putt-putt over the Northwest Territories, and I've got a backpack that's supposed to keep me alive until search and rescue can come find me. Probably in my best interest to make sure it's well-stocked <laughs> at that point. So, yeah, it's it was, uh, I guess, the job helped, too. That that didn't hurt, because always worrying about the what-ifs, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, for me, it was flares and no batteries in your EPRB or anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for me, it, it really opened my eyes when I got into the first responder gig. Um, just seeing, you know, all of a sudden a major event would happen and people are just calling, looking for help and having no real plan in place. They always expected somebody else was going to come and rescue them or, or help them out. And, and eventually, yeah, the first responders are going to get there, but it might be three, four or five days, depending on the situation and, and the extensive of it. So just being on that end of it and seeing the overwhelming call for help constantly coming in, I started thinking, well, you know, if I'm on that end, um, no one's coming for a few days, I should maybe have a few things ready. And also being out responding to those things, I should have things with me because nobody else is coming for me. So I started carrying things with me when I when I was at work, and then that slowly grew into a, a kit that I would keep at home, and then um, it just grew from there. And, and my interest in in learning different things and different skill sets just just grew out of that. And um, here we are. Cool. Yeah, that was a great question. What What about Andrew? I don't think Andrew responded. Oh, I I have a varied experience. I sort of started paying attention after 2001. Uh, there was this big incident in September, you probably remember. That's when some yep. people did some things, right? Right, yeah. right, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Aviation, some, that's yeah. just all I really yeah. There was definitely aviation incidents that took right. place in September of 2001, and I, yeah. I went into the military um, not very many years after that, and everything was given to me, and then when I left the military and went to go and get a university degree and become educated and get a real job, I, uh, I discovered that everything wasn't just there. And that was, uh, that was a surprising turn of events for me because like everything was provided growing up. My parents had, you know, regular middle class kind of existence. So everything was just there. We had food in the fridge and we had running cars and we had fuel every week and we didn't really worry about any of that stuff. And uh, following getting out of the military and and going out on my own, and it's like, oh, all of these things are not actually just available to me. I can't just write a memorandum and say, I want a truck, or I need food, or I need a box of bullets. I need to go and sort this all out on my own. Yep. And I made the mistake of going to university in the city of Toronto, which is probably the worst place ever to start prepping. Because you live in a tiny, tiny apartment on the 30th floor, and while the view might be great, carrying stuff up and down the stairs when the elevator doesn't work is not the best time ever. 
And uh, I got into firearms at the same time that I was in university because I missed the shooting sports and being involved in having machine guns and all of that stuff. Well, and also being in Toronto and being able to hear the gunshots at Jane and Finch because York University, not terribly far from Jane and Finch. So um, getting into the shooting sports and being around other people and wanting to have all the ability to do my own reloading and to have food and to be prepared and then not live in terrible places like Toronto because, well, Toronto does have all of the burgeoning arts and culture scene. It is very difficult to keep a fueled generator on the 30th floor of an apartment building. Yes, yes. So I live in a much smaller, much less densely populated part of southern Ontario now, and I'm able to provide for my family, and we're prepared for, well, a lot of things. I like to tell my wife that I can outsize, uh, outfit a platoon-sized element with uh, 10 hours worth of notice. And that's mostly travel time for the people that I need to show up, not for me to actually like hand out rations and ammunition. Right. <laughs> and body armor. But, uh, it's literally just like, because I'm involved in the industry and I, I sell body armor through Ragnarok Tactical and I do firearms training and that stuff, it's really like, I just have a shelf next to me with all of my equipment on it. So if I want to put my plates on, it's in my office with my rifle and my body armor and all of my stuff. And we have food and water storage in the cellar, like 20 feet from me. I don't have to go out for days or possibly weeks as long as the power stays on. If the power doesn't stay on, I guess I have to go outside to like fuel the generators and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I built up law slowly over a very long time, like a, like a 20 year period. I've just kept adding the things cause it's, I don't want to be reliant on the government any longer. I was reliant on the government for a very short period of my adult life. And when I stopped being reliant on the government, I realized how much stuff is not just available to you when you need it. True. Yep. It's pretty valid. Yeah. All like, right. Uh, Darren's comment here in the chat starts out. I'm not a prepper, but you're a prepper, Darren. <laughs> I told him. He, I told him he's in <laughs> denial. So yeah. <laughs> just remember, guys, everything before the butt is bullshit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, fire every level. How are your carbon monoxide detectors? See, I knew that was going to set you off. <laughs> Didn't you mention that last last episode too? I think I've mentioned it in the last ten episodes. Uh, I think yeah. it's been every episode since you've been on, but pretty much. Yeah. So, a question from Philip: How many of you got into EMS and fire due to your preparedness mindset? Um, I got I got into fire because driving the trucks is cool. Fair enough. Probably more the other way around, I would imagine, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Or got into preparedness because of the EMS fire job. Yeah, I think when I got into fire about a decade ago, it it really had nothing to do with uh, preparedness. Um, It was, I mean, it's definitely a skill that I've attributed um, to preparedness now, but um, when I got into it, it didn't have anything to do with, with it at the time, no. It's actually kind of funny because I'm doing the opposite. Like, I my job forced me to get into preparedness, so I had to put down the two unlimited CD and then pick up like the heavy cold weather sleeping bag. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe put down the Saturday night special t shirt that I used to go nightclubbing with, and you know, maybe put on the parka. You know, just, yep. yeah. No, I'd say they're they're they were kind of exclusive, but also intertwined. Like, yeah, there's there's value in having that set of skills 
compared to being prepared. And they are also rather exclusive because, uh, as Eric mentioned, when mm. when things get real, you're not home. Yep. So um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. 100%. How do you deal with the frustration of, of you know, the duty to proselytize, for lack of a better description of what it is, and and the people who are blissful in their life, they just don't care. I drink a lot of scotch. <laughs> I also attend the AA meetings. <laughs> I see Alan. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Jason, I, uh, I, I'm lucky enough I deal with a lot of like-minded people, so it's pretty good that way. And most of the guys I'm working with are, you know, on the same plan. But by the same token, though, it's like, yeah, once in a while you see a guy that's completely out to lunch and you're like, how at this point in your life are you not able to wipe your own behind if things go sideways? And it's shocking, for one. Like, I just, because I assume that everybody reaches a certain maturity level or, you know, realization in life. But all you can do is kind of give them gentle nudges. If you try and, like, put, you know, stand in front of an avalanche like this, you're just going to get run over. But if you kind of, as it goes by, you get a little nudge, maybe in the right direction, that's it's a little better. Uh, I think baby steps. That's uh, the best way to deal with it. I think baby steps is the right approach. Because a lot of people I've met um, or spoken to, they just haven't had anything really bad happen in their lifetime, yeah. right? And a lot of these people are city slickers. I mean, typically the city, the core of the city is, you know, the first to get the power back and all that kind of stuff. So although I may be out, you know, power for 12, 15 days in a real bad scenario, they might be out for two or three days, right? Because um, a lot of them, you know, they either live near a hospital, and that's that's the first part of the grid to get back online and stuff like that. They just they just haven't had anything significant happen to them where they think that they should be investing time and money um, in, into this. I was going to say life, life lifestyle, but yeah, they're they're just not in that mindset yet. So not to say that if something bad happens that they'll be in it, but yeah. well, I think it becomes a lifestyle after a while. Like first, it starts absolutely, off as a hobby. yeah, yeah, it starts off as a hobby, and then kind of not all consuming but it becomes kind of a more of a focus in your life than anything else because other things kind of seem less important after a while right yep. well, so you're just I always think thinking about it what's what's more important playing call of duty or making sure that you have food to feed, feed your family don't make me but, choose which which version of call of duty? do you want me to order the, like put this in order or yeah. <laughs> so i can i can i've been given permission i've been given the nod from my from my better half to talk about um to talk about our our situation so claire was on the canning and preserving episode i believe um she grew up in the city the the concept of being prepared for emergencies was was completely foreign to her for that exact reason she'd never experienced any hardship and I mean, good for her. I'm more jealous than anything, but she never experienced that. So the the idea of what happens if just didn't occur to her. She was, you know, she went to grew up in a city, went to school in a different big city, and everything was within walking distance, and nothing bad ever happened. So it didn't matter. And then we moved out to the country, where on a good day you're 10 to 15 minutes from a grocery store. So it's really, if nothing else, it's inconvenient to go out and get that thing that you forgot. So it makes sense to plan ahead. And then you take into consideration that because we're in the middle of nowhere and we're in Canada, it gets snowy. So we might have to be in the house for a few days. And what happens then? So it, it kind of snowballed from there and it's grown into, uh, it's grown into I wouldn't say a, a, a full-time hobby, definitely not an obsession, but it's grown into a, a mindset where when we go to the grocery store and I say we in a very liberal sense, because 
Claire does the grocery shopping. When she goes to the grocery store, she gets what's on the list and then those few extra things to keep the pantry full. And when the pantry is full, she feels happy and relaxed. And that's exactly how, that's exactly how it should be. I just had the, uh, the, the brain fart that at the beginning of this COVID thing, um, you know, my coworkers knew that we had a decent sized garden and we live on a, live on a small farm and, and uh, they made the comment that, oh, if things get real bad, we'll just go to Jason's house. And I said, well, you better come with your hands empty or your hands full and I'd be able to see them either way. And uh, they were kind of shocked by it. I'm like, I said, I, I've made a lot of life choices to be able to, you know, be in the position we are that you've taken a lot of vacations that I didn't. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a, Glenn Tate talks about it on his show quite a bit too. The people that like people in the wagon versus people pulling the wagon, I guess. Mm -hmm. yep. I think though that, you know, from having been a first responder for the last 10 years or so um, and living in a rural area, um, it really, um, how could I say it? It really drives home the point that you have to be prepared because even I thought before joining the fire department that, you know, if I call 911, the cops are going to be here in two to three minutes tops. The fire department's going to be here in five minutes tops, right? The reality of it is for uh -huh. PA standard for rural response is like 17 minutes. And I mean, if you have a lightweight construction home, 17 minutes, the thing is, is self-ventilating. I mean, the, the house is gone, right? And then, you know, speaking to some friends of mine that are Mounties out here um, that are RCMP, you know, I thought they worked 24-7, um, but they don't. They only work until midnight on weekdays and 1 a.m. On, on week weekends. And then they said it's the neighboring detachment, which is close to the city, that takes over at that point. So they said, you know, come 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Um, if you've got something urgent, you know, there could be 13, 15, up to 20 minutes away. Um, so, I mean, you know, I don't live in downtown Tor Toronto where I call 911. I've got cops on my doorsteps in 30 seconds, right? So... Actually, I'm not trying to shit on the fire department either, but uh, same token, though, I actually had a discussion with the fire chief one day because I was chainsawing. It wasn't a ban, but it was like a recommendation to not chainsaw, and I was using an electric one, so I was like, okay, really? And uh, so I said, you know, she's like, what happens if uh, you know your house catches on fire? And I was like, well, you know, I've got hoses, I've got water reservoirs, I've got buckets of water and everything else, and I do a fire watch. And I said, uh, but you wait, you guys don't work on weekends? He goes, actually, he says, we're all volunteer, which is fine. But, and we don't really work on weekends, but not only that, but we only have what's in the truck because the nearest reservoir is a 20-minute drive away. So if we run out of water in the truck, it's a 40-minute uh, round trip to actually refill the truck by the time your house is gone. And so he says, we've got one truckload of water to take care of any forest fire or anything else, and that's it. And I, I, I kind of was like, really? I said, so what you're telling me is you don't really have the ability to protect my house. And he goes, nope. I said, well, how many people don't know that? He goes, well, everybody should, but nobody does. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds right. And I was like, oh. That just even depressed me a little bit. I was like, "Wow!" So, so, sounds like your sounds like your uh, your governing bodies, your town council needs to re needs to revisit the uh, the NFPA standards there because um, yeah. there there seems to be some gaps. Um, well, I mean, I, I look at where where I live, and my best case scenario: the next town over um, in one direction has one ambulance. At full tilt, that's an eight minute drive. Well, that's the joys of being un unincorporated, right? We don't have a, a governing. Oh, body, you're unincorporated. Say. Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah. that's that's a little different. Yep. But at the same time, I mean, if you look like the nearest fire station to my home, which is the one I used to be the the chief at, we have you know one engine, one tanker, 
Um, but because it's a volunteer force, I mean, it all depends on who decides to show up that night or for, for that call, right? So, I mean, if the first two apparatuses, the engine only has 750 gallons and the pump um, is, I think, 1,700 gallons a minute. So you can do the math. You've got about a minute, minute and a half of water. for an effective Well, like our, our, our engine, like at my station, our engine has... Um, our engine has six minutes of water if I'm running a if I'm running a 65 mil or, a, or a, sorry 45 mil like a one and three one and three quarter hose line, I've got about six minutes of water. Um, now we have one engine, one tanker. We also have three stations, so we would have an automatic response for a structure fire with the other two stations. So I'm eight minutes where I'm where I'm getting water from neighboring communities, and then we've also got. I mean, we're fairly densely populated for a rural area. Uh, most of our structure fires, we end up calling in mutual aid from neighboring municipalities. But I think the last structure fire we were on, we had eight tankers lined up ready to go, um, and we and we didn't run out of water. The first right. three minutes, you're you're desperate for for another tanker to come in. We're but after going. after that, you've got lots you've got you've got lots to um, to keep you going. So. Where I was going with this was that the most recent structure fire we had, um, the fire response was five engines, eight tankers. And after about 10 minutes, we only had one out of eight tankers on the road. So I made the call to call out other tankers. And some of those were coming from as far as about an hour away. So it doesn't matter how much a tanker has for water. It's coming from it. It's, it's, it's an hour away. I mean, that's it's an, hour, not, it's an, hour, away. It's an hour and a half with getting the volunteers to the station stuff, right? So... Um, anyways, I think we're digressing a little bit and going down the But this rolls back yeah. into the whole idea of, yeah, emergency response is coming to help, but there's that? always that caveat that people don't think about, about the ability to actually solve the problem or be there to help mm -hmm. right away. Yep. You might luck out. You, you might have a, a vehicle right there, right when you make the call. You might have one 45 minutes, an hour, a half hour away. You just, you don't know. So you're, you're best to kind of have some stuff ready. And then if, uh, if more help can come and help, great. But at least you've got that backup plan or that initial plan in place to get you through until further help can come and get you. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of the, the general public just doesn't bother to research what kind of uh, resources are available to them in an emergency type situation. They just assume that, oh, I call the number and everybody comes to help me and everything's good. Eventually. Right. That way, it might not. Oh. I mean, you make the call, everybody is coming to help. Oh, uh, yeah, they are. So just, just, just necessarily coming in the timeline that you expect. Yeah. yeah. Or exactly. want or maybe need. Yeah, 100%. That was a squirrel moment. Yeah, it was, but nothing wrong with squirrel moments. We've yeah. had many. Yeah. 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 My flask is empty, gentlemen. That's, that's what's going to happen. Uh -oh. oh, no. And from, from kind of my experience there, too, with, with the emergency response, it, it also depends on what else is going on. You may think what you have is the number one emergency, but in the whole big perspective of it, you may be at the bottom of the list and you may think you're going to get somebody in five minutes and you're going to get somebody in an hour because there's 10 other calls that are more pressing than yours, even though you think yours is the most important in the world. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Well, actually, we witnessed that the other day. I was going to work. Uh, I had my daughter in the car and I saw a uh, paddy wagon, which I hadn't seen on the road for, I don't know years and about five other unmarked and a couple of uh, marked cars all going in back towards the other way and I was like geez it'd be a good time for somebody to rob the town up ahead because <laughs> once once those assets are all taken care of like yeah there's there's nothing left I mean uh, and they might you might have a domestic call go on and there's just nobody coming to that one anytime soon right so it's uh it's crazy how how fast you can deplete the resources you have so hey quick question for Jeff 
uh, working working as a dispatcher, did was it was it up to the the dispatching team to actually prioritize or triage these calls, or was it managed from a standpoint of as the calls came in, like like which got priority? Um, it, it was a bit of both for our organization. We um, yeah, we prioritize. We have a, a a level one to four on our calls, and um, a lot of them, it, depending on what the call is, it's it's we use what's called the CAD system. So it's a computer automated dispatch, and it automatically sets a priority based on the type of call. We have the ability to upgrade it, downgrade it, whatever. I mean, obviously, domestics, robberies, that kind of things. They're higher priority than my neighbor's dogs having a crap on my lawn, and I want it off my lawn. And um, <laughs> but that's that's the um, we we triage them more or less. But you know, a lot of people think there's a ton of resources out there, and there's not. And there's a lot of times that we've got that priority call, and I'm calling the supervisor, and I'm saying, look, I know everybody's on this, but this is the call I got. What do you want me to do with it? And I think on the flip side now, I'm that supervisor that Jeff calls. And I mean, if we have, let's say, a structure fire call, like I was referencing earlier, where we have five engines and eight tankers responding to a call and something else comes in, it could be even be like a car fire, fire, fire. That's when I have dispatch calling me and saying, listen, all these resources are on this call. What do you want to take off that call? Keeping in mind that I still have to keep some 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 resources in the area for the next call that comes in that could be a cardiac arrest, which is going to be a higher priority than a vehicle fire because that car is already a write-off and the insurance is going to write, write that 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 car off anyway, right? So I'm getting getting that call now from the dispatchers asking what I need to take off a certain call, knowing that um, you know we may not save that house now because I have to divert resources from one to the other. So yeah, when you have a major event, you are depleting the entire area yeah. of the resources. And I have a lot more volunteers than I have trucks. So, I mean, I have, you know, some stations have 30 volunteers and two trucks. And when those two trucks are gone, those volunteers, you're not useless, but, you know, there's, they don't have the equipment to do their, their, their job, right? So. Hmm. Anyways, uh, as far as what we learned, too, one thing I forgot to mention here, it's the last bullet point there is the uh, the community. I mean, once you get into the uh, the preparedness community, yeah. it's a solidly good bunch of people, honestly. Um, they're not all doomsday preppers and everything else. And, once you start sharing uh, resources and knowledge and everything else, it's uh, amazing what you can learn. And uh, just like Jason and myself going back and forth when I was contemplating my move out uh, to Alberta there, there's always help available if you need it. And, um, yeah, good bunch of people. Uh, that's one thing that's really stuck with me in the last couple of years here is uh, fantastic guys to meet up with in person, and uh, it's been great. Yeah, I second that. I've, I've met all kinds of great people. I've, I've gone to all kinds of different events um, through my little company, Rapid Survival, there. Um, and I've met all kinds of people that are just willing to help out, right? You, you put a question out there and you get an answer. And, and it's an honest answer. It's not a, why would you ask such a stupid question? Now you get the odd troll that, that puts that out there. But most of the time you're going to get a, a, an honest answer and it's going to be good information. And, and that's kind of what I, I enjoy about the, the whole preparedness community is uh, the willingness to help out. Um, yeah, you get the odd person that's like, I'm not telling you anything because then you're going to know about all my stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. You're going to get that odd person. But for the most part, you'll get an answer, you'll get a, an honest answer, and you'll even get offers to come and help you set things up if you don't know how to do it. So it's, that's been really nice to see. Well, I think it also opens your mind to other perspectives, and uh, I'm a big proponent of the the idea that there's rarely one right way to accomplish a task or a goal. And so the way that I might approach something versus the way that Hughes or Eric or Ian or Tyler might approach something are probably going to be at least a little bit different 
But if they're reaching the same goal, then really who cares? And at the end of the day, my plan might not work, but if I've talked it out with Ian and Eric and Hughes and whomever else, I've got that in the back of my mind that I've got, a, I've got another way to do this if what I want to do doesn't go the way I expected it. And so the community aspect, I think, is probably the, the most important part. And I, I think we've done we've done episodes on on the mags, on the groups, and on the lone wolf concept. And it, it, there's no question that the the collective mind is the better way to go. Yeah, you're not going to get through a, a shit at the fan scenario without a community. You can try, but sooner or later you got to sleep. Yep, exactly. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, you have to kiss a lot of frogs to get that prince, so to speak. But, yeah, eventually, once you get a good bag people, it's great to have. It's uh, It's been fantastic. And, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to take that leap of faith for all the listeners out there. If you could, you know, if you think you might have somebody on the like-minded uh, nearby, just, uh, yeah, give it a try. 100%. All right. Uh, anybody else have anything else to add before we move on? Yeah. Been out at this for an hour and a half, so we probably don't want to bore people too much. We've still got 15 people watching, so that's impressive. Wow. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yep. <laughs> All right, podcast challenge time? Let's move into the podcast challenge, yeah. All right, uh, please, everybody, keep us going for another 100. So send us topic ideas, uh, more criticism, uh, and the saltier the criticism, the better. Yep. And, uh, yeah, feedback of any sort. Like, uh, please, uh, topic ideas for sure would be great. Yep. If not, uh, just think how we can do things better. And if you've got something that uh, that you consider yourself an expert in, come on to the show. We welcome anybody to come in and present or talk to us. Um, yeah, you want to come and chat? Absolutely. We've got lots of room on the panel. We can have up to 10 people uh, a show, so come on out. I've already claimed the chair as self-proclaimed expert in several topics, so you have. Yes. you're all out of luck. Well, well on, on most so. topics, yep. <laughs> All right, so moving to upcoming events. All right, uh, assuming that BC does not follow suit with all the other conservative provinces and go full uh, lockdown, we'll call it. (laughs) 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 Uh, Let's see here. Uh, BC Sportsman Show, March 5th to 7th, 2021. Uh, The link is in the show notes, and that'll be in Abbotsford, BC. It's probably one of your good chances to find like-minded people or at least some good vendors. Uh, yep. Yeah. It'd be a good, uh, good place to go. I'm going to try and make it myself. Uh, I do believe I should be able to get some time off. So. Nice. Andrew, I believe you're putting a course on. Oh, we lost. Andrew. We lost. Andrew. Oh, he's just muted. Andrew, you're uh, muted. There we go. I'm not muted. No. What? One more person. Am I muted? No, no you're not. I, I appreciate it getting like four times. Uh, I also appreciate appreciate whoever put this in the show notes. This wasn't me, but we're doing a land nav course in Mississauga, February 20 and 21. Uh, get the registration on RagnarokTactical.ca. We're going to teach people over two days how to do, read and use analog maps and compasses. And we'll culminate everything with a field exercise. We're going to go out and actually use them for realsies. And can I bring ways? You can bring whatever you want, but I'm going to make you use an analog map and compass and shoot a back bearing and find an azimuth and give me a 10-digit grid reference to call in artillery. I mean, your location. <laughs> um, child, child, kid-friendly event, Andrew? 
Um, children-ish friendly. I mean, I've I've taught lav, uh, land nav to like eight to ten year old like Boy Scout types. So yeah. I mean, yes, but I mean they should be reasonably cognizant of what's going on in the world around them. And one thing about my attention span is so yeah, you'll be fine, be no good. problem. Okay. I'm just trying to work yeah. out logistics for that weekend, and I'd love to come. I just have some baggage that I would have to bring along with me. I hope my kids aren't listening. Um, I also have children. I understand. <laughs> um, so I'm just trying to figure out if I can, if I can bring them or if I have to wait for the next one. No, I would, uh, I would say there's nothing wrong with having kids there. Uh, I know there's at least one other person that's tentatively arranging to bring their, their daughter, their, I don't know, preteen daughter with them, whatever they are, 10 or 12, like eighth grade kind of thing. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't see that being a problem. I've taught that nav to relatively young people. It's okay. the biggest thing is that it's like a full day of like how to use maps in a classroom environment. So the attention span, even for me, is going to be a challenge. <laughs> Just tell her she can't use the word whatever during the entire. Oh day. my! My daughter doesn't. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying the other Andrew. Oh, yeah, the other Andrew. Yes. Uh, All right. All right. Moving to some shout outs. All right, I got one for the uh, the big man himself, Eric. Thanks for putting this together. It's been you know 100 episodes. It's been fun. It's been educational for everybody involved. I think so. Uh, thanks, Eric, for taking the leap to uh, start the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. No worries. And thanks, gentlemen, for uh, for hopping in and saving me from the, the 10 minute awkward me chatting to myself episodes. Yeah, and then also one for the uh, the island mentor who uh, is providing me this information for the uh, email feedback coming up here. So thanks uh, thanks to him again. I don't know where I am in the notes because I closed my laptop a while ago. Um, shout out to the listeners because without the feedback and without you guys coming on, coming and telling us that we're uh, doing something worthwhile, this is just a bunch of guys sitting around drinking beer, shooting the shit, which as much fun as that is, it's great when somebody else is listening. So, Yeah, definitely shout out to all the listeners. Our, uh, our stats have only been getting uh, better and better as the episodes uh, continue being published. We can, uh, we can see the number of downloads and the number of people that are streaming it and listening. And it's, uh, it's really good to see week after week after week the, uh, the numbers going up and more people interacting with us. That, that becomes uh, way more fun. Not, not that you guys aren't fun to chat with every Sunday night, but uh, it's a lot of fun to see the live chat as well light up with people either bantering back and forth with each other um, or just giving input as to what we're saying as uh, as we go along in the episodes. It's been it's been really fun to see that grow. Absolutely, uh, it's fantastic. People coming back and more people coming uh, as as other people tell them about the show. It's, uh, it's who, been a lot of fun to see. That. Who was talking about the? Uh, we were talking about last last episode or the one before with the um, the gas powered margarita mixer or blender. Oh, yes, <laughs> I really I really need a status update on that project, guys. Yes, yeah, is it happening? Because we need one, and and if not, can it? Yeah. Please. <laughs> now that last episode was a lot of fun. That was that was a great time. All right, panel, have any other shoutouts? No, he, he just wants to get back to his video games. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's got to get back to college. He wants important. to get back to his mead. Yeah. Tyler has to go find his rabbits. Yep. <laughs> All right, so uh, we do have one quick email here. Uh, it starts out with, um, hi, Alan, I've been following the podcast since early pandemic. Uh, and I find that you guys bring great content, which is really easy on the ears. So appreciate that. Uh, love how you guys uh, mix banter with great info. You have a really good team. Uh, Eric is good with overall knowledge. I'll agree with that comment. Uh, Ian is proper funny and Tyler is a good addition from the U S 
the other members of your team are knowledgeable too, which keeps the show interesting. And he just says, uh, by the way, just a heads up, one of the largest human uh, protests that's happening right now in India against uh, three farm or the three, uh, yeah, three farm laws are anti-farmers and were introduced during the pandemic. And with no consultation with the farmers, the laws give too much control to the private companies that will exploit the farmers. Uh, farmers, young and old, along with their families, have been uh, camping hundreds of miles away from their homes with their tractor trolleys for the past 30 plus days. I hope you guys can discuss this in an upcoming episode uh, of your podcast. So we'll add that uh, to the list. Definitely. So, and this is, and Ian, I just want to add that I know you don't uh, appreciate commies, but left-leaning a wee bit isn't that bad, especially when some private companies use lobbyists to get what they want, which can be unfair for others. By the way, I'm not anti-capitalist. Thanks, and signs it off, B. All right. I so shall we, still, shall we set aside a half hour for you, Ian? No, no, it's good. Ask you. <laughs> 30 years ago, I would be considered a commie because I am fiscally conservative but socially liberal. Like, I don't care, who, you know, you live with who you want to live with. You know, you do, do you, do you, you know, pray to whoever you want to pray to, but just don't waste my money and don't tax me to the living death. Now they call it libertarian or a crazy right, extreme right wing or whatever. I mean... Nowadays, it seems everybody just slightly to the, the right of Karl Marx is considered a, a extreme right wing, and now everybody <laughs> to the left of Attila the Hun is considered a commie. So, I mean, it becomes more of a joke than anything else. It just, yeah, I'm not really. I'm I, th- not really I think that. it's it's pretty safe to say that most of us, uh, as much as we dislike commies, we hate lobbyists even more. Oh, I and I and I hate politicians even. <laughs> like, yeah, all, all politicians of all stripes. We're, we're on the, I think we're on the same we're on the same page with you there. Um, thanks for a great email. I appreciate it as directed to me, and then talks about how great all the other panelists are. Uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. I think I think that's fantastic. I uh, love the topic idea. Keep up keep up the fight. Um, the, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but it will get better as long as as long as people hold the government accountable for their actions. And if you want to hear more about that, listen to Andrew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a big chance. Nothing. And then looking at uh, iTunes reviews, we have no new written iTunes re- reviews, but we're up to uh, 135 total reviews. So cool. I'll take that. How many one stars? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Funny guy. Uh, Stopped counting those a while ago. Maybe I'll go back to it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, with that, I will bring episode number 100 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app, hopefully for another 100 episodes. Uh, Please help us out. Submit a review. It uh, helps other people find us. Oh, that's me. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, again, show notes are closed. Uh, You can get a look at us on... Start again. Too much scotch. We do record these shows live on YouTube and Facebook. If you want to get an early look at the show, find us on YouTube. Uh, search for Canadian Prepper Podcast and click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we're going live. Facebook has a very similar thing. I forget what the rest of it says. So how do we move find on. you? Yeah, oh, <laughs> you can find me, Adam. That's with one L at PrepperPodcast.ca. 
And I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com or hughes at prepperpodcast.ca. And I'm not even going to mention the YouTube channel thing because I don't feel like getting roasted by nine people. So, <laughs> any videos recently? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you got a nice new microphone there. So I'm sure you can. Oh, I, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and if you got any questions or advice for me, you can email into the show at tyler at prepperpodcast.ca. Wait, we gave your email address? I've had one for a while now. I haven't oh. checked it in a while, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forwarded my personal email, so I see them. Oh, nice. I should do this. You can send me your hate mail. Feedback at CanadianPatriotPodcast.com. That's the OG CPP. We do a thing Monday nights, 9 o'clock on YouTube, or anywhere that fine podcasts are sold. Whenever I get around to publishing it, I'm behind again. Fair enough. Good go, Andrew. Uh, for our uh, t- uh, brand new pod panelists tonight, make sure you stick around for the, the post-show chat, uh, but you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at thewesternretreat at gmail.com. You can also find me in Canadian Patriot Podcast with Andrew on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing why government waste and society in general makes me rant for about triple-digit episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're coming up on 300. Yeah. Nice. All right, so like, check out uh, rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat uh, while buying some prepper gear. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And before we do the final sign-off, just uh, thanks to Phil, Jeff, uh, Scott, and Jason for joining us this evening. It's a pleasure having you gentlemen on the uh, panel for our 100th. And uh, until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>